following sermon is brought to you by Genuine, the college ministry of Coggin Avenue Baptist Church. More information about our ministry is available at www.cogginchurch.org forward slash university. All right, man. If you have your Bibles, the book of James, go to chapter three is where we're going to be tonight. We're going to pick up pick up here. If you're new here tonight or you haven't been in several weeks, um, we have started working through the book of James. We're spending pretty much all semester we've been talking about faith. And Enemies of the Faith is a series we started out with, and, and uh, now we've been in James for several weeks, four or five weeks now, just talking about what faith does. Because the reality is that faith moves you, all right? Genuine faith, saving faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ causes a transformation to happen inside of the one that believes, okay? So what James is doing is picking up a lot of practical things about what what a genuine salvation, what a genuine heart of faith looks like inside of someone that claims to have it, all right, and how it begins to transform their life. So a couple things that we've been looking out just to kind of catch you up with where we've been, a couple things about the book of James. It's written by the half-brother of Jesus, who initially did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. His brother was the Messiah. Um, After Jesus' resurrection, James came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. All right? So it's written by the half-brother of Jesus, who is now a leader inside of the Jerusalem church. And it's wisdom literature, okay? And wisdom literature, the whole point of wisdom literature, is to challenge the way that you think about things so that you will change the way that you are living. This is the point of wisdom literature. And what James is specifically wanting to challenge Um, us to do is live in the wisdom of God by imitating Christ, by loving God and loving other people. And and like I said, the whole point and the theme of James is that faith changes you. So in chapter one, if you remember, we look back that faith uh, changes and transforms trials. It transforms temptations for you. It transforms how you view and look at truth, specifically the, the word of God, the Bible. It transforms. Zach came up here and talked about how faith transformed your, transforms your treatment of others. Last week, we looked at actions. And tonight, Um, we're going to talk about the tongue, okay? Talk about the tongue. James says this over in James chapter 1. So he starts out and he says this, If anyone thinks that he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless, okay? So all the way back in James chapter 1, James begins to speak about the tongue, and the whole point of what we're talking about tonight and what James is going to tell us is this. Words are powerful and ultimately, ultimately reveal what is truly in your heart. Words are powerful and ultimately reveal what is truly in your heart. Recent studies have shown that the average person, all right, that's you and I, the average person is going to spend one-fifth, you will spend one-fifth of your life talking, all right? I don't even know if that takes into account like, uh, like Facebook posts and Twitter and, and whatnot, but one-fifth of your life is going to be spent talking. Some of you, it's like two-fifths, okay? Some of you, it's a little less, so we're talk- but we're talking about the average person, okay? The average person is going to spend one-fifth of their life talking. If all the words that you were to speak in a single day, all right, at the end of the day, were like put inside of a, a, a little book, on average, your words in a single day would fill a 50-page book. At the end of a year, almost 150 books of 132 pages each would be filled with the words that you spoke that year. 
all right? So you and I are going to do a lot of talking, so it isn't surprising then that the Bible generally is going to say a lot about how you spend one-fifth of your life. And James, specifically, he's going to mention the tongue in all five chapters of this short book. All five chapters talk about the tongue. So if you have the gift of gossip, okay, or you have the gift of, of critique or criticism, all right, James has a word for you. James has a word for you tonight, okay? So words are powerful. They bless and they curse. They tear down, they build up, whatever. And ultimately, ultimately, your words reveal what's in your heart. Because what James is saying here is you cannot claim faith in Jesus, genuine saving faith, and not have your speech, not have your speech affected, okay? So let's read this, James chapter 3. Let's read this, and then we're going to jump into... um, Jump into un- unpacking this, all right? James chapter 3, starting in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 12. Pray and get rolling. So James starts and says this. Now, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So he, he lumps himself in with these teachers, we who teach. This isn't just other people. James is putting himself in that boat with him. Verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. And look at the ships also. Though they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness, the tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and is uh, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. We're going to unpack some things here. Father, thanks for tonight. And uh, again, Lord, I, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you that you have revealed yourself, that you have spoken to us inside of Scripture, and you've spoken us in your Son, Jesus Christ, um, so that we can know you, and we can know who we are, and we can know how to live in relation to you. And so, Dad, I just want to pray tonight that as, uh, as we look here at James and what he has for us, that we would begin to take inventory, Lord, of, of our speech and our language and our hearts um, that are revealed by what comes out of our mouths. Lord, and James, and I believe you tonight want us to ask the question of, 
um, d- d- is what comes out of our mouth, if it reflects what is genuinely in our hearts, have we truly given our hearts to you? Do our hearts belong to you? Are there, are there parts of our heart that we're keeping back that need to be submitted to you? Are there people that we need to go and apologize to? Are there, um, God, are there things that we need to take back or someone we need to go build up? Or, um, Lord, my prayer tonight is that your spirit would work in this place and that we would be challenged in, in the arena of our speech. Because what James is making perfectly clear here is that if we claim to follow Jesus, as imperfectly as it may be, Lord, that one of the things that is affected in our life is our speech, how we talk, and the things that we say. So, Lord, would you just reveal tonight, would you expose things that need to be exposed, and would you encourage us to look more and more like your son Jesus through, through the language that we use and the speech that comes out of our mouth. Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so James is going to say several things about the tongue here. So let's, let's, let me give you four things that James is going to say about the tongue specifically. And the first thing that James is going to say, or sorry, um, is that this, the tongue invites judgment, okay? The tongue invites judgment. Look at what he says here in verse Verse, um, verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, something is happening inside of the church and inside of um, the Christian community at this point is that a lot of people now in their new faith and their understanding and things that they're growing in are wanting to rise up and become teachers. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, okay? God, uh, specifically in 1 Corinthians, one of the, the gifts that God gives to the church are gifted Teachers. So it's not necessarily a, a bad thing to desire to become a teacher, but there are those inside of the church who are wanting to become teachers who either are not ready to become teachers. All right? Have you ever wanted something, but you're just not ready to, 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 to be there yet? Okay, Some of them are wanting to become teachers, but they're not ready yet. Or some of them are wanting to become teachers, maybe because of um, something that is driving them that isn't necessarily pure, like rabbis in the first century, were very well respected and revered. There was even, uh, I, I read this this week, and I was like, holy smokes, man. Um, there were even some, some, some sayings out there, some teachings, that if a rabbi and your parents were captured, okay, like someone came in and captured rabbi and your parents, you were supposed to make sure you bought the rabbi back first, and then if you had money, go ahead and get your parents back, okay? So there was like this honor associated. Some of you are like, my parents, it just wouldn't happen, man. Bye, mom and dad. Love you, all right? So um, it's like, I mean, things that were going on. So there was this, this honor associated with like being a rabbi. And some, some people were wanting to, um, wanting, wanting to hold these positions of what they perceived as, as honor. But, but James says, remember a couple of things here. Teaching brings, brings judgment. All verbal activity is, is dangerous on some level, but it's especially for teachers Specifically, teachers of the Bible, because you can not only destroy your life, but those that are listening to you. Those that are listening to you. What James is trying to say here is if you're going to speak on behalf of God and declare things about God to, so, so that people know who he is and how to live in relationship to him, you better be serious and you better make sure that you're saying things rightly because speaking for Jesus invites a stricter judgment upon you. It invites 
this judgment. At one point, Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter 12 with the Pharisees, who are supposed to be the teachers of Israel in that day. And Jesus looks at them in Matthew chapter 12, verse 35 and 37, and Jesus says this, The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So here's, here's what I think James wants us to see here. Two, two quick things. The first one's simply this. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you listen to. Your teachers are going to impact you. They're going to affect you, all right? My hope, my hope is that when we get together through the teaching ministry of Coggin Avenue Baptist Church, whether that's Tim Skaggs or Sunday morning, whether that's here at Genuine on Sunday nights, my hope is that you are being encouraged to love and look like Jesus, okay? But what I always want you to do and what Tim always wants you to do, and Tim says this all the time from the pulpit, is this, make sure everything that you are being taught and that is being said from the stage lines up with what is inside of this world word. Man's opinion doesn't mean jack, all right? When it comes to man's opinions, it ebbs and flows. It changes with the culture and the times are this. God's words remain and stand forever and are the rule by which all other beliefs and teachings are judged. So be careful who you listen to, but also this, be careful when you claim to speak for God, all right? I believe he's talking about teachers here, but this principle applies to just beyond teachers because in Matthew chapter 28, when the Great Commission is given, we're all called to go and make disciples, aren't we? And that call to go and make disciples, what are we told to do? To teach them to obey everything that God has, has said. So listen, you and I, on some level, everyone in here is declaring certain things about God. So make sure that what you're teaching, listen to me, make sure what you're teaching is scripture and not just your opinion. And not just your opinion. Because when you say something totally contrary or deceptive about who God is, or what God is like, or even what God desires, when you do that, you mimic Satan in Genesis chapter 3, or you take the Lord's name in vain, declaring that God says or speaks something when God does not say or speak that thing. Be careful who you listen to, and be careful, be careful when you claim to speak for God on his behalf to other people. Because your tongue and your language, listen, you, we will all be held accountable for the things that we say, all right? Glad you came tonight. It's awesome. Okay, all right, good. Let's keep going. Look down in verse 2. Here's the second thing that James is going to say. Your tongue is going to guide your life. He says this, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man able also to bridle his whole body. So he says, listen, your tongue and your speech is this barometer of what's really going on inside of your heart. And anyone who can, who can say everything perfectly and bridle their tongue perfectly, man, they're like a perfect man, but no one can do that, okay? No one can do that. And then he gives a couple of illustrations about how the, the tongue guides the body. He says, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Now listen, I don't know a lot about horses, uh, I never grew up around horses. Uh, I think I rode a horse like once in fourth or fifth grade. We went out. To, never mind. It doesn't matter. Um, but I remember at one point I was living in East Texas, and, and I was in the little town of Pittsburgh, and we, they always had this, um, 
parade that like went through town. I can't even remember what exactly it was for. But down the road um, in Mount Pleasant, Texas, there is a company called Preferts. Okay, and if you know what Preferts is, they make like fencing for cattle companies and and, and stuff like that. And uh, the man that owned Preferts lived in East Texas. And at that time, he had a horse, a Clydesdale horse, named Goliath that was in the Guinness Book of World Records as being one of the largest horses ever recorded. So people were telling me that, and I was like, okay, whatever. Like, a horse is a horse, of course. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's like a horse, all right? It's like, so then Mr. Prefer comes, comes rolling up, all right? in a monster truck carrying, I don't know, something behind him that's just mad. You ever seen Jurassic Park when the dinosaurs in the cave are like, shoot, ah, all right? This is like what, this thing's like rocking around or whatever. And I'm like, what is going on? And then out comes Goliath, all right? Now, I, listen, I am not joking. That horse comes walking out. His, the shoulders of this horse are above my head, and I'm 6'2". Above my head. And then the horse's head, like, goes up. And I'm like, what's up, dude? All right, I mean, just this, I've never seen anything like it before in my life. Shoot, I don't know how much that horse weighed. It had to be 1,000, 1,200 pounds. Just huge Clydesdale horse. And he comes up, and a little piece of metal about this big gets stuck inside that horse's mouth. And something about this big that's metal, inside of that 11, 1,200-pound horse takes it wherever he wants it to go. This little thing directs the entire course of what is happening in this horse's life. Not only that, he, he goes in then and he talks, about, he talks about ships. Look at verse 4. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot Direct. So even ships, the Queen Elizabeth was a famous ship built back in 19, the 1940s. It was over 184,000 tons of ship, all right? It was one of the mar, uh, modern kind of marvels of, of the day. It was, it was huge. Now, the rudder, the rudder of the ship was huge, too. It was 140 tons. That, that's a big piece of metal that, that, that drives this ship. But the rudder was two-tenths of one percent of the weight of that ship. And it drove this 184,000-ton ship wherever it was supposed to go. Here, here's, here's his point. Your tongue has great power to direct your life. Your relationships many times will rise and fall in the power of your tongue. Job prospects, your reputation... Your witness, if controlled well, if the tongue controlled well inside of these spheres and these avenues of, of life, things generally will go well. But out of control, out of control, it will wreak all kind of havoc in your life. Have you ever been in a relationship where, where you, I mean, you just blew up at one another and you said things? Have you ever been in those relationships where, where you said something and you wish you could take it back? Like as soon as it comes out of your mouth, you're like, like how do I, like, how do I get that thing First time I told my wife, doesn't taste like mom's, you know? Like, that doesn't go well inside the house. All right, just, just whatever. I mean, relationships, job, reputation, witness. Listen, your tongue has the greatest power to lead you into compromising, deadly, dangerous, and sinful situations. And it's going to guide your life. It's going to direct your life. Your tongue is going to put you in situations. Some of them are going to be great, and some of them you wish you never would have found yourself in. 
never would have found yourself in. That's the kind of power that the tongue has. Here's the third thing he's going to say. The tongue can destroy, all right? He moves off from illustrations of a small thing that leads and guides and directs your life now to something that can destroy you and others. Look at the end of verse 5. He says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is, is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, set, uh, setting on fire the entire course of life, and, um, and is set on fire by hell. Um, when we lived in Oregon, uh, it was beautiful up there, uh, and there was the Eagle Pass um, hiking trail up in Oregon. It was set right next to the gorge. It was probably um, one of the most beautiful hikes in, in that particular part of, of Oregon. Uh, you could hike it up to this bluff and look out, and it was like Mount Hood was over here, and Mount Adams was right here, and Mount Rainier uh, was was right here. If it was a really clear day, you could see uh, Sisters, which was kind of in central Oregon, three mountain peaks, and you could look down, and you could see the um, the gorge that was there. I mean, it was just absolutely beautiful. And one day, there were some kids um, that were hanging out on, on, on that butte. It was, man, I can't even remember when it was, but they had fireworks. And uh, one of the 15-year-old kids took a 40-cent firework, lit it, and, like, threw it into the bottom of this gorge. This little, just 40-cent firework, and just kind of tossed it, and, and, and they were kind of laughing and things like that. Over the course of the next two months, 46,000 acres were burned. 36, over 36 million dollars in damages were done to that gorge. Entire mountainsides were set ablaze, all right? Homes were destroyed. Several hikers were trapped up in the gorge because of the smoke and the flames, flames that were there. Now, now here, here's the point. Here's the point. A 40-cent firework caused that. A 40-cent firework caused that, thrown into the bottom of a gorge. And listen to me. What James is saying here is your tongue and my tongue has this kind of power in people's lives. Your speech, your speech, the way you talk with people, the things that you say can either build people up or it can tear them down Never discount the power of your words, of your words. So, so the writer of Proverbs is going is to say it like this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And, and I feel like with social media now and, and things like that, this is even more on display than, than the way it used to be. Because used to be, if you said something that was, that was dumb or inconsiderate or hurtful or hateful, or you lied about someone, uh, you know, amongst your two or three friends, it kind of maybe spread out right there. But now if you go online and you say something like that, it's like the, the fallout of what you have just done spreads. 
spreads. And so the writer of Proverbs says, listen, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can either, either speak life into people or you can cut people to pieces with your words. He's also going to say this in, in chapter 12. He's going to say this. There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Not only is life and death in the power of the tongue, but with your tongue. Listen, what the writer of Proverbs is saying here is you can wound or you can heal people. You can wound or you can heal people. Listen, how many of us, how many of us remember something that was said to us back in like middle school? that we can still remember and think about. Listen, when I was growing up, I was like super skinny, all right? I mean, I know you can't really tell because I'm kind of putting on some weight. But, um, but like I remember like I was called skinny. Bo- I mean, like you can run through closed doors. I was like, okay, all right. You can hang glide on a Dorito. I mean, like all of these things <laughs> that were like thrown out to me when I was growing up. And, and then you take, you take little Billy at like second and third and fourth and fifth grade and, and, and hearing these things. And it's almost in some ways has, has made me like with my own sons, like every time I see my sons, this is coming out now and I know where this comes from, but like every time I see my sons, Easton and, and Everett, every time they walk in, I'm like, dude, you're so buff. You've got muscles, man. Like that's our muscle. Like I'm trying to build these every time. Why? Because I was tore down so much in junior high and in middle school and elementary school that these things have stuck with me that I don't ever want my sons to feel the way that I felt, something that I remember all the way back in elementary school that I don't want them to ever experience. So they come in, I'm like, dude, have you been working out? Have you been lifting? Have you been hitting the protein shakes, man? I mean, like, these are what I'm saying. Now, their heads are probably going to get big, and I'm going to have to pop them one day and be like, all right, man. You're not that good looking. I don't know what I'm going to have to do to kind of bring him down a couple of notches. But we all remember things. So much so that we give our kids like little poems, right? To, to Like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I don't know who said that, but they are liars. <laughs> liars. Um, did you guys ever uh, say the, I, I'm, I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. Did you ever say that one? No? All right, well... Take that one and use it. It's free. All right? It was, it was. Words have serious consequences. Words have serious consequences. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You can wound people. You can heal people. This, this is what James is saying. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch the things that come out of it. You never know when these off-handed things or these things are what they're going to do to someone, how they're going to stick with someone. Because words can destroy. They can destroy you. They can destroy others. And the tongue, look, look at what he says here in verse, um, verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. We've tamed all kinds of things in humanity, all right? I remember taking the kids to SeaWorld or whatever and like, um, um, killer whales are jumping up on the thing and waving their arms and, and doing stuff like that. And you, you go to the circus and there's lions or there are bears that are, that are doing tricks for people. So we've tamed all kinds of animals. But no, but look at what he says here in verse 8. But no human being can tame the tongue. 
Which means this, if your tongue is going to be tamed, there's going to have to be a power outside of you, bigger than you, that's going to help you. It's going to help you. Because at the end of the day, here's the last thing that James says about the tongue, all right? The tongue ultimately reveals your heart. Look at verse 9. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Here's, here's simply James' point. Bad things don't produce good things. Or a thing of one kind will produce the thing of that kind. And your tongue, although sometimes schizophrenic, right? Sometimes you feel like your tongue's just schizophrenic. Blessing, cursing. But here's what he's saying. John MacArthur puts it, puts it like this. The tongue is you. The tongue is you in a unique way. The tongue is a tattletale that tells on the heart and discloses the real, the real person. Discloses the real person. Jesus simply says it like this in Matthew 15, 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. Or Matthew 12, Jesus says it like this. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You don't have to wonder what's in your heart because your mouth is going to reveal it. You ever heard people like slip up or say something or I've done this before where I said something and I'm like, oh man, that's so not like me. And you know what James says? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, I want it to be, but that's, that, that just revealed something about what's inside of your heart because look what he says. Jesus says here in verse 35, for the good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, but the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth, brings forth evil. So what's in your heart, this is all James saying, what's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. But here is the beautiful thing about Jesus, that the very thing that Jesus is after and the very thing that faith in Jesus transforms is your heart and your desires. So in uh, Ephesians chapter 429 Paul's gotten done talking about the first three chapters about what faith um, is and the object of faith and, and what salvation is and what the gospel is. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6, he starts talking about with a transformed heart what the gospel begins, what the gospel begins to do. So he says, so he says, therefore, if you've been saved now, all right, if you know Jesus, your heart's been transformed. So even as imperfectly as this stuff may be, the heart is being changed now. And the things that begin to flow from the heart um, begin to shift and begin to change more and more and more to look like Jesus. So therefore, don't do these things anymore because this isn't who you are anymore, but now live this way. And one of the things that he says here in Ephesians 4.29 is this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those that listen. And, 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 the, and the consistent testimony of Scripture, specifically in the New Testament, what Paul is writing, is the, the, the speech of the believer begins to be transformed into things like thanksgiving and graciousness and building others up 
and rebuking others appropriately when, they, when, when sin is in their life so that you can call them back to faith, that these are the kinds of things that begin to flow out of the mouth of the one whose heart is being transformed by the King of Kings. By the King of Kings. So the tongue is powerful, man. The tongue is powerful, and it reveals what's in your heart. So the question is this, all right? I want to close with tonight is simply this. What does your speech reveal about you? What does your speech reveal about you? What does your speech reveal about about your heart, your language, the way you speak to others? Are you a gossip? Are you a slanderer? Are you someone who walks around and assassinates people's character left and right in the way that you speak? Are you someone who's, who's a constant complainer and never has thanksgiving? These are the kinds of things, these are the kinds of things that salvation begins to transform. When I was in high school, um, uh, and there were just things about the way I talked to people and about people that just weren't that weren't good. Um, I remember being in high school, and one of the things that I that I'd always kind of struggled with was not not really telling the a lie, but not really telling the truth. You kind of shade things, you know, kind of shade things just to make you look a little better than than what it really was, or maybe not as bad it was. It really was. You 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 would kind of shade things and. And, and man, I remember getting into college and being here at Howard Payne. And through some things that came up my freshman year, and honestly, just outright lying and deceiving several of my friends about some things that were going on inside of my life. And it was something I've been trying to kick, something that the Lord had been working on me on. Had, I've been reading scripture, set a guard over the door of your lips, keep watch over the door of your mouth. So that nothing deceitful would come from I mean, I'm, I'm memorizing these things in Proverbs. And then freshman year of college, here I am finding myself lying to some friends about some things and thinking I'm going to get away with it. And then my friends finding out about the lies that I'd woven. And here's the thing about lies, man. Once you start weaving them to cover them up, they kind of got to grow and grow. And you got you to make this thing here fit. And you got to try to make your stories fit, fit here. And at some point, you better remember everything. Because if you don't, and someone finds out about this, and, and, uh, and man... That freshman year of, of, of college, the Lord brought these friends into my life, and my roommate at that point just came to me and just straight up just called me out on some stuff. You said this, and you lied. You said this, and you lied. Do you know what devastation this has caused to this friend because you said this, and you lied about this? And, and I remember just as he talked, man, just conviction and things in my own heart about things that I was written. Lord's like, I told you about this. You have sown to the flesh. You're reaping from the flesh the things that you sowed here. And, and I remember thinking, man, what, what are my friends going to do? Like, is this the end of these friendships with these people? And is this the end of, is the, is this the end of a, a, a lot of things? And I remember those friends just gave me grace. Gave me grace. But I'm telling you, in that moment, God disciplined me. He disciplined. He disciplined me by having my sin outed. And through that discipline, and, and again, going back to the word and having community around me that, that was going to help me walk through things, man, I just began to walk in victory. 
more and more victory, not having to shape things, not having, why was I doing that anyway, man? Was it to, to build myself up or make myself more accepted or, or you know, to, to make myself better in the eyes of others? Why, man? God had already accepted me. What was I looking for in the acceptance? God had already, my identity was rooted in Christ. I didn't need to do that anymore. And so, man, as I began to grow, God just began to weed some of that stuff out of my life. I mean, he's still weeding things out of me today. He's still weeding things out of me today. But what James is trying to say here is that when genuine faith transforms every part about you, including your speech and the way that you talk, do you talk differently now than you did five years ago? Do you build others up now in a way that you didn't a year ago? Is there someone maybe that you've torn down that you need to go and apologize to? And, and one of the first acts of speech that comes out of your mouth after hearing this is maybe confession and asking someone for forgiveness for something that you said. A roommate or a parent or, or, or a friend. Genuine faith alters the way that we speak. And that speech, man, loves God and says right and true things about him. And our speech begins to love those around us and encourage them and breathe life into people and, and, and healing and healing to people. Let's pray.